Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to ride. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You ain't heard nothing yet. Wait a minute, I tell you. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell... I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Welcome to the David Pollock Show. I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore! Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of the team. Everything is awesome when you're living out a dream. Welcome, welcome to another exciting uh, and kind of solemn David Pollock Show. Uh, you know, you know what I'm going to talk about today. It's what everybody's talking about. You know you want me to talk about it. Uh, we're going to be talking about what is going on uh, in Israel, in Gaza, and Israel's new war on terror. Um, trust me, we're going to get into it. We're going to cover it. I know everybody is talking about it. I know you're hearing about it everywhere. I'm not going to be a reporter here. I'm not going to tell you stories about, you know, what's being said and the breaking news about what's coming out of there, but I'm going to break down, uh, maybe discuss some of the causes, where this might be going, and what we need to be concerned about here as Americans. And we're going to get into that uh, later. Um, but, but, first, but, but first, as always, um, you know, I only get to talk to you once a week. And I fully thought, uh, going into the end of last week, that I was going to be on here uh, just destroying Kevin McCarthy and House Republicans and I was just going to be talking about Matt Gates and Mitch McConnell and and all of the establishment. I mean, that's what I was going to talk about. That's the show I thought we were going to have. I mean, what is it, Columbus Day slash Indigenous Peoples Day? I thought it was going to be kind of light. Uh, of course, then the worst terrorist attack probably ever in Israeli history occurred. And again, we'll get into it. But I still want to update you. Uh, about what happened last week. Uh, again, <laughs> I mean, what a time to be alive and what a time to have a radio show. Because for the first time in American history, they kicked out the Speaker of the House, the number three person in line to lead the country, was just canned, kicked out on his butt. I mean, this is <laughs> it's one of the biggest things to ever happen in American history. And we got to talk about it just briefly. And maybe you guys like the little break uh, from what we're talking about in Israel. I don't know. But we have to talk about how significant this is. I mean, here's Kevin McCarthy made a series of promises to uh, the House Republicans in order 11 votes. You know, he made all these promises. He says, look, this is what we're going to do. This is how, you know, this is how we're going to move forward as a as a, a having a slim majority in the House. You put us here for a reason. And we were supposed to vote on 12 separate um, appropriations bills. We were supposed to get the January 6th tapes. We were supposed to talk about a balanced budget. We were supposed to talk about term limits. There was all these things that the Republican Congress was supposed to do. And like a politician, Kevin McCarthy says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pinky promise. Pinky promise. I'll do it. And what happens? Well, becomes speaker, and he does none of it. 
None of it. You got nothing. We talked about this last Monday before he got booted. Uh, and then, you know, we knew the vote was coming. Now, Kevin McCarthy was super confident. And oh, I'm not going anywhere. Well, we'll see. And eight Republicans led uh, by Matt Gates, joined 100% of Democrats. Every single Democrat that voted, voted to kick Kevin McCarthy out on his butt. What does that tell you, Republicans? What does that tell you? I'll tell you what it tells you. There is no such thing as bipartisanship in Washington, D.C. There is no honor among thieves. That, that's what's so crazy about this. Rather than make a deal on the debt uh, on the debt ceiling, rather than make a deal on appropriations with Republicans, Kevin McCarthy tells Republicans, "Ah, you're not getting a good budget because uh, you wouldn't go along with me. I'm going to go make a deal with Democrats." And you know what the Democrats did? They kicked him out on his butt. A hundred percent of the Democrats and eight Republicans sent Kevin McCarthy packing. You know he'd still be Speaker. If he just would have worked with Republicans and done the things that the American people were expecting Republicans to do. And guys, this was just a couple of days ago. I know it feels like a year ago. But a couple of days ago, Kevin McCarthy is no longer speaker. We have no speaker. The House recessed. Now, of course, it looks like it's going to be possibly Jim Jordan. People have talked about Steve Scalise as possible replacements. Um, and, and we'll get into that. Not today, but probably next week as the speaker fight continues. Um, but what's really interesting is the establishment rebellion that occurred in the wake of, you know, of Matt Gates. Now, of course, they're out there calling for his removal. But the more troubling thing is people like Newt Gingrich, people like Mark Levin, conservatives saying, you know what? Uh, you never should have kicked out the Speaker of the House for not actually doing conservative things. That shows you something. It shows you that the establishment is more powerful than the conservative principles they purport to represent. That's who they're they're obligated to. They're obligated to each other and the other establishment. They're not obligated to the conservative principles. And here's some of the reaction that we got from them. Gabe, we're going to take a cut here in a second. Now, I want to, here is, now here's, <laughs> I'm not even sure which one to take first, but you know what? Let's take, uh, this is Chip Roy, okay? Chip Roy's out of Texas, and he's really, he, he's big mad because he's a DeSantis guy, and he just, you know, apparently he wanted a deal because they thought it would come with border money. So instead of being mad at Kevin McCarthy for not making a deal that included more border money, he's mad at Matt Gates. And here's Chip Roy, cut six, Gabe. Brothers and sisters, particularly in the, um, you know, uh, MAGA camp, I think, uh, particularly enjoy the circular firing squad. You want to come at me and call me a rhino? You can kiss my Look, I've spent a lifetime fighting for limited government conservatism. I have laid it all on the line. I have not seen my family but for two days in the last 30 days. You go around talking your big game and you thumping your chest on Twitter. Yeah, come to my office and come have a debate, mother. You know why? Because I'm standing up for this country every single day. And Steve, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to go to a nunnery. Because God damn it, it there, there were people Look how angry he is. And by the way, he didn't just say mother. We had to edit it. He was throwing all kinds of bad word bombs in there. Chip Roy is big mad. At who? Not at Democrats for kicking... Kevin McCarthy out. He's he's mad at Republicans 
who stood up for the very thing that they went to Washington and told you, they, they promised to you that they would do. But Chip Roy is mad at them. Seriously. That's who Chip Roy's mad at. Even Brian Kilmeade, who I actually like. Listen how mad Brian Kilmeade is. This is cut seven, Gabe. Go ahead. Brian Kilmeade. Is that your leader? I'm not following Matt Gates. I made my own decision. I didn't ask He's Matt, Matt Gates to challenge. You weren't going to challenge. Do what? If Matt Gates didn't stand up, you weren't going to challenge. You know I that. Believe I, I believe I would have. Oh, come I believe on. I, and they're, and they're, oh, well, please, you, you know, were praying please, about please. it one minute. The next minute you're going to lead an insurgency? And He's mocking so you him for praying, praying about, about it. it. It's Calling him an insurgent. Well, you, know, you can cut it there, Gabe. Do you angry? So angry at these guys, right? And then listen to Mitch McConnell, of all people. And this right here, I think, tells you exactly what's going on. This is cut four, Gabe. Go ahead. Mr. McConnell is there talking about how mad he is about the motion to vacate. Check it out. For his service. Yeah, I got to get through it. He's kind of like a turtle. He had a great personal relationship. Says nice things about Kevin McCarthy. Very different parts of the American government. Um, I think he has much to be uh, proud of. Um, we avoided a government shutdown. Boy, this is painful. <laughs> we did the inevitable with regard to the debt ceiling. And I'm one person who's extremely grateful mm -hmm. for his service. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I have no advice to give. But one. Uh, to House Republicans. He has this piece of advice. One. Mm-hmm. I hope whoever the next speaker is gets rid of the motion to vacate. You heard that? I think it makes the speaker's job impossible. Let's stop and there. I hope that the next speaker of the House, they do one thing. They get rid of the motion to vacate because it makes doing the speaker's job impossible. Why does it make it impossible? Why does it make it impossible, Mitch? Because... If Americans had their way, you'd be sipping lemonade at a retirement home somewhere in Kentucky. But instead, you're sitting there stroking out in front of the whole entire world, acting like you're still in charge of the Republicans in the Senate. You are the poster child for term limits, Senator McConnell. And you talk about the problem with the motion to vacate. What is with politicians being so afraid of accountability and their voters? That's how insane this is. All these people, big mad Chip Roy, Brian Kilmeade, Mitch McConnell, Newt Gingrich of all people, Mark Levin, who are they mad at? They're not mad at the Republicans who got rid of a debt ceiling. They're not mad at Republicans who didn't give you 12 appropriations bills and, and almost shut down the government. They're not mad at Republicans that didn't do a single thing that they promised you they would do when you gave them back control. They're not mad at those people. You are. But they're not. You know who they're mad at? They're mad at you. They're mad at, they're mad at Matt Gates. They're mad at Donald Trump. Because how dare you hold these politicians accountable for not actually doing the things that they promise that they're going to do day in and day out. I think it's time we start kicking all these dudes out. One after the other after the other. Because I've had enough of the false promises and the inefficacy of these Republican politicians. 
But don't worry, there's going to be more. Because in addition to this whole speaker thing, I think you see what's going on right now in Israel. Right? Our southern border is wide open. Gas prices are about to go up even higher if they weren't already unaffordable enough. And if you think we had supply chain issues before, woohoo, stay tuned. And why? Because the Republicans in the House of Representatives do not hold the line. They don't fight like Democrats do. 100% of Democrats do 100% of the things Democrats say they're going to do. And they do it united. Republicans, they fracture, they complain, they get more mad at each other. But if Republicans had the courage to fight, our southern border wouldn't be wide open. Terrorists that are planning attacks in this country, the same ones who just carried out attacks in Israel, wouldn't be just walking across the border. Republicans, you control the House of Representatives. Why are you afraid of the Democrat-controlled Senate and the Democrat president not going along with you? They should be afraid of not going along with you. It is time you fight. The American people need you. You are the only hope they have. Take your job seriously. Fight for the American people. And then, yes, maybe the next speaker, maybe it's Donald Trump, maybe the next speaker will keep his job. He won't be asked to vacate because he will give the results to the American people that Republicans promised. Because guess what, guys? Trump could win the White House in 2024. But if you don't do your job, Republicans will not keep the House. You will not take back the Senate. And then what good is President Trump when the Democrats are out with daggers at his back once again? So you owe it to the Republicans. You owe it to Trump. Keep the House of Representatives and keep your promise. I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk Israel. Business owners, are you sick of dealing with those big-name telecommunications companies that leave you frustrated with terrible customer service and then lock you into long-term contracts? That's why I want to introduce you to my friends over at Public Telephone Company. They are an industry-leading VOIP provider offering all-in-one business communication solutions that are completely contract-free with competitive pricing. But perhaps the best part, they're all about supporting their customers with U.S.-based customer service and they're always willing to go the extra mile. Don't let your phone company drive you mad. Call Public Telephone Company today at 877-314-4080 or visit them at publictelephonecompany.com. That's publictelephonecompany.com. Hey friends, David Pollock here. If you're craving the best soft serve ice cream around, Topper's Creamery's got you covered. Serving the Apopka community for over a decade, Toppers is known for the finest old-fashioned custard-style soft-serve ice cream in a variety of flavors, from their French vanilla bean to exciting specials like German chocolate cake. But the experience doesn't end there. Be sure to grab a fresh-baked waffle cone or a sundae topped with my favorite, the fresh-baked brownies. They even offer pup cups for your four-legged friends. So hurry in to Toppers Creamery in Apopka, South 512 Hunt Club Road. Make sure to Tell him David sent you. (laughs) 
Welcome back to the David Pollock Show. Gabe's doing a little tap dance back there. He likes the little the jingle. Good, he's a pretty good dancer, actually. Y'all don't see him. Go get it, Gabe. Uh, call in number if you want to be part of the show, 407-774-8255, 407-774-8255. Uh, we're moving on from the House Speaker discussion for right now um, because, of course, all eyes are on Israel, the Middle East, the terror situation over there. Um, and I know that's what you're thinking about. It's what you want to talk about. So we're going to pivot um, because this is important. Um, we have to talk about Israel's war on terror. Uh, I mean, look, <laughs> it's been hard. You know, I- I've been watching this and just like you have. Uh, I've been angry about it. Uh, I've been sad about it. Um, and look, I understand that I have one perspective when I look at it and other people have a different uh, perspective. People are divided on this just like everything else. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But when you see images, and I don't mean to be graphic, but when you see images of beheaded Israeli soldiers, of women and children being murdered or or kidnapped and raped, it has to make you feel something, right? It makes you upset. And the, you wonder, how can this happen? How How does this, you know... The evil that we're seeing in the world, that you all are seeing. This is why everybody wants to talk about it. It's consuming you. Out of fairness, there are people on the other side seeing the same thing. You know, and I think Israel is 100% justified. And if they reduce Gaza to ashes, um, it's awful. War is awful. But there are people that are going to die, innocent people. And whether it's a terrorist attack or whether it's a retaliation for the terrorist attack, innocent people will die. And this, it's hard to watch things and not feel, you know, it's weird. And I know you know what I'm talking about. You watch the videos and you see Israel striking Gaza. And you're like, you feel like a win. You're like, all right, our team's putting some points on the board. People are dying when those buildings are exploding. And so as horrifying as the images are for you to see of the terrorist attack in Israel, it's just as horrifying for the people on the ground in Gaza. And, and I'm not, I, I say this because this is real. You know, the death and the destruction, it's real. It's emotional for a lot of people. But there's politics at play as well. And a lot of this, this death and the war and the terror, and inevitably it comes down to politics. And this is what concerns me the most. And I'll tell you why. We can't, have any discussion in the United States right now that doesn't turn people bitterly divided at one another. Right now, it might seem that Democrats and Republicans are united, um, you know, in support of Israel. But there's already Democrat Congress people. It's funny enough, somebody's calling them the the Hamas caucus. Uh, You know who they are. Rashida Tlaib or whatever her name is and, and others. You know, they're saying they call Israel occupiers. So the narrative is already there. But the thing that concerns me even more, and I'm going to talk about this, you know, later as well, the almost instantaneous pro-Palestinian demonstrations that popped up across the United States, in Florida, in New York, in Philadelphia, I mean, all over the country, in Washington, D.C., in London, 
in Sydney, Australia, where they were attacking the opera house because they lit it with blue and white in support of Israel. There's pro-Palestinian demonstrations that are organized, almost like they were on standby. And I'm going to play one video clip for you because, again, what's, I do want to talk about what's happened. And we have a guest coming on later in the show, Mike Waller. He's a senior strategy analyst at the Center for Security Policy. We're going to get all into the details about all of this. But what I want to talk about here is how this is going to affect you, okay? Because when you tuck your kids in at night, you're not worried about the air raid sirens, right? We're not worried about, thankfully, right now, terrorists going door to door to rip you out of your bed while you sleep, like what they're dealing with in Israel. But you have another threat. They're coming across the southern border, true. But the destructive politics and the people that were already attacking our country before this terrorist attack even hit Israel, these people are already here. And I want to play an audio clip for you real quick. Which one is this? This is cut 11, Gabe. This is not recent. But I want you to hear something. Cut 11. Palestine will be free! Palestine will be free! This is a, a demonstration. This is a, like a promotional video for this organization. You hear that? This is in the United States, by the way. Historic responsibility. She says. You hear that? US imperialism. They are both married at the hip. You can't have one without the other. So we are here in solidarity because ain't no one free until Palestine is ain't free. Ain't no one free till Palestine is free. You could take that down. This was a it's like a it's like a socialist slash Palestinian solidarity uh demonstration they had. Weird, right? The S word. Socialism. The same socialists that are behind BLM, all of the trans stuff, all of these things that you keep seeing pop up, this George Soros socialist revolutionary narrative. Free Palestine is one of their causes? And literally not even hours after Israel is, is struck by Hamas? Organized pro-Palestinians demonstration all across the country and all across the world? Yeah, yeah, you know, they were just, they, they were inspired. What you're seeing are the seeds of the latest summer of rage, and they're going to use a terror attack and support of terrorist organizations to make sure that the socialist ideology spreads throughout this country in preparation for 2024. And this is why it makes me nervous, guys. They're going to be out in your communities saying it's for free Palestine. But you've seen this before. You've seen that once you become a Trump supporter or once you become a political adversary to these groups, you're dehumanized. You're called names. You're allowed to be attacked. You're allowed to be jailed and prosecuted. War is declared on you in the United States by these groups in furtherance of their goals. And now they're putting the cause of the Palestinians in their playbook. This is something you need to keep an eye on. You need to keep an eye on it because you can see in these demonstrations very similar looking people behind the masks. Antifa looking people 
These same looking protesters that you've seen take up the causes of BLM, take up the causes of trans rights, take up the causes of whatever the pre-printed poster tells them. You're starting to see them in these Palestinian protests as well. What do you think they plan to do? And as I mentioned before, the southern border is wide open. And I'm sure they're going to find some allies in these groups as well. I want to bring on Mark Naughton. Mark Naughton is an independent journalist. He's been on our show a lot. Really good at what he does. He's been traveling around the country on his own dime to document all of these protests. He's been in Philadelphia, and today he's been in New York. There's some great videos. I want to play just a second of some of Mark's uh, videos. Uh, this was in uh, New York today. This is cut one, Gabe. This is a very large pro-Palestinian group parading in the streets of New York. By the way, New York, the site of the worst terror attack in U.S. history. So Pro what's happening now is the this is Mark talking. protest is now becoming mobile and moving down the street. You can cut it there, Gabe. In New York City, a pro-terrorist group celebrating a terrorist attack in Israel is banging drums and marching in the street in America, in New York. Mark Naughton was there to document it. Mark, I got two minutes before my break, but I want you to share with our listeners uh, what you witnessed in Philadelphia and New York today. Yeah, David, thanks for having me back on. So uh, New York was uh, was interesting. Very large protest uh, on the Palestinian side. Uh, the Israeli side, which is just across the street, uh, gained in size to, to, you know, almost comparable. Uh, it was very, very different uh, when I hung out on both sides, okay? Uh, like the Israeli side was almost uh, festive. Everybody was, was uh, it, it was weird. Because festive, is a, I'm struggling for the right word because they were happy. They were nice. They were dancing. They welcomed me with open arms as far as my camera goes. By the way, sorry because loud. I'm on a train. Yeah, sorry. Uh, this, girl, this girl shut in a second. But, um, everybody, everybody on that side was actually super warm and welcoming. It was, it was the Palestinian side for me that was interesting and challenging. Especially, you know, some enforcers came up and wanted to know who I was, what I did. Uh, you, you know, it was, it was hard work. But I'll say this though: once they went mobile, that's the Palestine, uh, Palestinian uh, protesters. It went all the way through New York, all the way to uh, the United Nations, and they stopped at the uh, consulate. Uh, a couple consulates, one being Egypt, where they uh, booed them. They were not happy with Egypt. They made their, their statements clear. Then they went over to uh, to uh, Kuwait, where there were some Kuwaitis outside, and uh, and they cheered them on. So, you know, they, they, they sort of did their uh, political uh, door knocking, if you will, through the United Nations. It was uh, very interesting, uh, much more aggressive uh, and and powerful and large than uh, the protest in Philadelphia yesterday. Yeah, it's incredible. And the images um, that you've been putting forward are just great. Uh, Mark, i got to run to a quick break. Um, guys, if you want to see Mark Naughton's reporting, uh, you have to go to the At The Pollock Show, my Twitter, and I'm going to put all of his videos up. I'm gonna, he's sent me a bunch of images and videos, and I'm going to post them up uh, throughout the day so you can see them. Mark, uh, be safe out there. Thank you for bringing us all the information, and I, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Enjoy your train ride there in New York. Thanks for having me again, David. <laughs> of course. Take care. 
All right, guys, uh, we're about to run to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Mike Waller. He's a senior strategy analyst at the Center for Security Policy. We're going to get into the nitty-gritty, find out what's going on, where this thing is going, and we're going to cover all the details of this conflict. Who's involved? Are they coming to America? Are we next? How this thing ends? Uh, all of it coming up right after the break. So don't go anywhere. David Paul should be right back. Seems Florida is a popular place to live these days. But do you know who is not feeling the effects of limited home inventory? Bugs. That's right. As popular as Florida is for people, pests like it even more. Which is why I recommend pest control, termite treatment, and fertilization from Protex. With over 40 years of experience, their fully licensed, bonded, and insured team utilize state-of-the-art products and techniques to maintain a pest-free home. But that's not all. They also provide the highest quality fertilization and pond management services so you can have a green yard and not a green pond. So if you want to keep your lawn on green and your home bug free. Call Protex today at 407-542-0044 or visit them online at protexlawn.com. That's P-R-O-T-E-X lawn.com. David Pollock here. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you're looking for more information on any of our sponsors, or perhaps you want to hear a replay of a past show, make sure to visit thedavidpollockshow.com. There, you'll also find our latest articles, links to our social media, and opportunities to become a sponsor yourself. So remember to visit thedavidpollockshow.com. With today's economic environment, it's never been more important to secure your hard-earned wealth for you and your family's future. FinSec Life works to offer industry-leading customer service to help successful individuals and businesses protect their wealth. Whether it's a business succession plan, estate liquidity, or a variety of life and long-term care policies, FinSec Life can help deliver peace of mind, knowing that if something happens, you or your company is taken care of. Visit FinSecLife.com. That's F-I-N-S-E-C Life.com. Securities offered through Valmark Security, Inc., member FINRA, and SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Valmark Advisors, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. FinSec Life is a separate entity from Valmark Securities, Inc. and Valmark Advisors, Inc. But I see your true colors shining through. I see your true colors. That's why I love you. So don't be afraid to let them show your true colors. Welcome back to the David Pollock Show. Uh, real quick, I need to remind my listeners that if you haven't went and got yourself some Beard Vet coffee, you need to go and do that. The energy of the David Pollock Show is brought to you by Beard Vet Coffee. Uh, they got great products, too, not just fantastic coffee. And don't forget, a uh, portion of the proceeds go to take care of veteran organizations. Um, but you also have cool tumblers and a lot of cool, really interesting things. Go to BeardVet.com. And don't forget, Binomics, you have less change in your pocket. So uh, go and put in promo code David. Get yourself 10% off. That's promo code David, D-I-V-I-D, like the David Pollock Show. All right. We're getting uh, right back into it. And um, real quick, before I bring up my guest, um, you know, today, and as I mentioned, it's either Columbus Day or Indigenous Peoples Day or whatever. It's a federal holiday. And despite the fact that Israel is at war and the world is potentially at war, uh, your president of the United States, Joseph Biden, uh, took the day off because, you know, it's a federal holiday. Why should he work today? Right. Uh, 
Uh, so he hasn't made himself available. As a matter of fact, on the day of the attack, uh, he didn't even wake up to like 7.30 or 8 o'clock. Um, you know, I, I'm advocating that his new campaign slogan is, when there's war in the streets, Biden's in his sheets. And I think uh, I want David Pollack's show to be the one who coined that phrase. <laughs> Anyway, I am excited to bring up my my special guest for tonight's show. His name is Mike Waller. He's a senior strategy analyst at the Center for Security Policy. Uh, welcome to the show, Mike. Hey, David. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for coming on. I mean, in the first half, I kind of talked about the speaker fight a little bit and then dived right into Israel. I was just talking to uh, Mark Naughton about our southern border and about the socialists who have already been in this country trying to appropriate um, this pro-Palestinian cause and where that might lead um, in as far as uh, domestic politics are concerned. But what I'm really interested to talk to you about, and, and I think the listeners would appreciate um, to know, is, you know, what's going on? I guess give us the 10,000-foot uh, overview of what's going on right now between uh, oh. Israel and Hamas right now in Israel. Well, first, it's much bigger than just Israel and Hamas. It's exactly. Israel and in Iran, which has been backing this, and it's Israel and uh, U.S. government that uh, has has made the funds available for this to happen, both by releasing $6 billion to Iran and by funding uh, the Palestinian uh, government, or whatever you would call it. And so so this is a, a terrible mess, and our intelligence is so deplorable in a, in a bad way that uh, we didn't even detect this, and neither did the Israelis. I thought that was interesting because I've heard that, that this went undetected. And that concerns me for a couple of different reasons. Uh, the first reason is our own FBI and our intelligence apparatus seem to be uh, neck deep in investigating Donald Trump. Uh, we also have thousands of people, millions of people pouring across our border. 150 plus have been on the terrorist watch list, and those are the ones we apprehended. Um is this an intelligence breakdown that we should be concerned about, especially here at home? It is because it, it. I mean, first the Mossad and its Shin Bet Internal Security Service and the IDF—they're all very legendary, and they're all you know superb at what they do until until the other day. But we have to remember that they are almost as woke as our FBI is. So. Once you get that way, you stop seeing threats for what they are. You develop wishful thinking. You get you 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 misunderstand your enemy's intentions, and then you let your guard down, and then things like this happen. Yeah, and I'm, I'm actually I always keep a TV on in here, and, and I see the headline that says U.S. Intel agencies blindsided by barbaric attack. And so, yeah, you have to wonder if there've been so if politics have gotten. So distracting for not only U.S. intelligence agencies, but Israeli intelligence agencies. I mean, is what do we do? I, I mean, like, on, like, are we going to get caught up? <laughs> what happens now, you know? I mean, is this something we can fix, or are we sort of uh, in a situation where, you know? Uh, well, I don't know. Yeah, because it's a great question, because if, if you could just, if it was a policy issue, well, you just fix the policy. But it's a personnel issue, and when you have leaders who've come up the chain of command and then recruited uh, people they like beneath them to fill things at lower ranks, then you get organizations that are broken. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it's not just like, oh, well, 
Bibi Netanyahu's prime minister. He'll fix everything. He can't. Just just the other day, the, the Israeli Defense Force reservists were on strike to, to oppose him. They were on strike when Hamas began its attacks. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really scary. And, and when you think about it, these are not just terrorist attacks at Israel. Israel is such a small country. These are strategic attacks aimed at, the, at, 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 at destroying the entire country and wiping people out. And you're going to see, I'm sure, other countries being brought into this. Let's talk about that for a second, because, um, you know, this is clearly actually I'm going to talk about one thing and then the other thing. Uh, I've heard this conspiracy theory that uh, this attack was invited essentially by Netanyahu because of of the divisions that you uh, describe. And so the suggestion is he knew about the attack and because the Iron Dome was down or hacked for a period of time, that this attack was invited in order to uh, give Netanyahu the ability to unite the country um, to attack Hamas. What do you think about that theory? It's a crazy theory. Uh, no, no leader, like him or hate him, you know, no leader of a civilized country is going to allow his own people to get slaughtered as a means of uniting the country. This was really the security and intelligence services of Israel failed to see what was right in front of them. And then as far as, you know, because people have made those theories before, too, of Bush plan 9-11. You know, there's always, right. of course, the the idea that this is the country, uh, you know, trying to invent a war. But now what about this $6 billion that was unfrozen by Biden? A lot of people are suggesting that this money was either directly used in these attacks on on Israel or at least it motivated Iran to, um, you know, support these efforts. Do you think there's any correlation to the unfreezing of the six million dollars? And and I'll, I'll ask that question and I got another one for you. Sure. We don't know for a fact what the correlation is, but it would make sense that there is a correlation because the Iranian regime needs that cash. They've been wanting it for years. The Biden administration has been wanting to give the Iranian regime that money. and uh, But it was in a big hurry, starting in late summer. We have to hurry, we have to hurry, we have to give this cash to the, to the Mullahs in Iran. But that's not how they say it, but I mean, that's the, that's the long and short of it. And th- why were they in such a hurry? Why were the Iranians maybe pushing them so hard for so much money? Could it be that that Iran wanted that cash in the pipeline prior to the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War when its proxies were going to attack Israel? It makes sense, but we don't know. The fact is the U.S. had no intelligence on what Iran was up to on this uh, attacks on Israel, planned attacks, and it had no intelligence on what the terrorist groups themselves were doing, and it handed over the cash. And that, that, but... I mean, even if we had no intel on what they were doing, right? I mean, obviously, you give Iran, the largest state sponsor of terror in the world, especially on 9-11 of all days, when you unfreeze $6 billion, I mean, you have to assume what it's going to be used for. So, you know, so either is Joe Biden negligent, President Biden negligent, or, you know, does he – I mean, what – what culpability, what responsibility does the Biden administration have, not only for the intelligence failures, but the fact that they unfroze this, these billions of dollars at a very suspicious timing? I mean, what's Joe Biden's blame in this? Well, total blame. 
I mean, look at look at what the, the Iranian. We should have kept that money as partial reparations for what the Iranian regime has been doing to us. It was the one that set the IEDs that maimed and killed most of our troops in Iraq and Afghanistan. And Bush didn't say a word about it, and Obama didn't say a word about it. And now Biden's here, giving cash to the mullahs in Iran. It, it's just absolute insanity. And then there was a recent admission that yes. The Iran regime was behind the 1983 Marine Corps barracks bombing in Lebanon that killed uh, more than 200 of our Marines. So they just acknowledged that. Well, don't you think we should keep Iran's frozen assets as partial reparations for this? No. I mean, not just for reparations, but the less money that Iran has to do terror— uh, the better it is for the world. Now, I want to ask you about that. So, obviously, there's now fighting on the northern border, or, or at least there was a couple of rocket attacks, vice versa. There was some exchange of fire on the northern border uh, near Lebanon. And, um, you know, Hezbollah now supposedly is being involved. And there has been some discussion that Iran was aware of this, the, the Hamas's attack, or at least thought it was imp, uh, coming. Um, and and even Iran now is saying that if attacked, Iran would defend itself forcefully, almost like sending threats to the United States not to really get engaged. But the interesting thing is, so the leader of Iran, this was four days ago. This was before the terrorist attack. Um, he says, basically, uh, the usurper regime is coming to an end. Today, the Palestinian youth and the anti-oppression, anti-occupation movement in Palestine is more energetic, more alive, and more prepared than ever during the past 70 or 80 years. God willing, the movement will achieve its goals. This was before the terror attack. Clearly, Iran knew something was, was going on. And now, again, Hezbollah, who's an Iranian-backed group, is attacking Israel to the north. Syria will be involved any day, undoubtedly. Where do you think this goes? Do you think this is going to be limited between Israel and Gaza? Or do you think this is about to um, turn into a larger conflict? I think that Israel is going to go after the sources of the terrorism, just like President Reagan did 40 years ago. He said, we're not going to just go after terrorists to attack us. We're going to go after the sources. And if you look at a series of tweets a couple of days ago by Prime Minister Netanyahu, he it was a very dark set of tweets that this is going to be a very large and painful war, and it's going to be total defeat of their enemies. This war actually, he didn't say this, of course, but I, I believe the war is going to end in Tehran. That, and that's a terrifying uh, prospect. And, you know, I think a lot of people think that as well. Um, you know, we can only assume what that would look like. Now, Iran, who is arguably work, still working on their nuclear weapon, um, it, do you think it's possible that Iran – because I'll tell you one thing I noticed about this attack. Hey, look, there's been rocket attacks. There have been attacks from Syria and Lebanon. I mean, Israel is not um, – shocked when the nations around it that hates it attacks it but the, the how gruesome this attack was how personal this attack was the fact that they were targeting women and children kidnapping and and and, and murdering people in such a way that was almost i mean they had to know israel would respond in the way they respond in leveling gaza and even replacing hamas or getting rid of hamas completely i mean that's obviously going to be what you do the only way to beat hamas and and ensure that doesn't happen again is remove them just like we did what we tried to do uh with the taliban in afghanistan even though they're back in control of afghanistan one of joe biden's many failures um 
But you have to think that somebody said, hey, what you're going to do, it's almost like it's almost like Hamas and Gaza martyred themselves in their attack on Israel, knowing there would be nothing left of Gaza because now Iran can be pulled in. Now we can go to war with with the West like Iran has wanted to do. And now they have the perfect catalyst for it. And it comes at a time where Russia, another one of Iran's allies, is keenly aware that the United States is getting bored in Ukraine and they still want to have their goals there. And of course, we know China's looking at Taiwan. So what do you think? Is this a coordinated effort to drag the United States and Western allies into a much larger war, not just Tehran, but maybe something bigger? What's your thoughts on that? Well, if I was Xi Jinping in China or Putin in Russia or, or the, the mullahs running Iran, I would certainly seek to do that, to cause mass chaos and cause the U.S. and its allies to overextend themselves and to finally take the U.S. down under a senile, um, uh, dysfunctional president and who has appointed pro-Chinese and pro-Iranian officials in his own government. Uh, so why not move at this time? It makes perfect sense to. If you look at all the other times in history where there have been uh, leaders suffering from dementia or, or uh, uh, like Woodrow Wilson after World War I, uh, Otto von Hindenburg uh, in, in, in Germany in the 1920s, and what does he do? He hands power over to, to a, a radical named uh, Adolf Hitler, uh, and you have uh, revolutionaries like Hitler or the Bolsheviks or now the jihadis who were poised for this, and you have uh, aggressive regimes like the Chinese and Iranian and Russian regimes poised for something like this, and the West just looks so milquetoast, and Israel itself was so divided. I mean, there was even talk not, not long ago at all about Israel breaking out into civil war. And you, the fact that you had this big court battle where the Israeli court systems, much different from our own, but they, they were telling the prime minister what he could and could not do uh, on, on you know, basic things and then an attempt to oust uh, Netanyahu. And so, so you see Israel appearing to tear itself apart, ready to tear itself apart. So to anyone else, they would think, yeah, this is the time. Oh, let's get the final solution underway. Last last question, and I know um, a lot of people watching the TV are just, you know, it's the images. It's it's the they're they're trapped almost emotionally by the things they're seeing coming out of the Middle East. Um, but I think a lot of people are also afraid that a terrorist attack in the United States is just around the corner. What do you think the likelihood? of a terrorist attack here in the United States in the next 12 months? How likely might that be? And this is something that Americans should be concerned about, or I'm just curious of your opinion on that. Well, think of Israel as a small country, right, R roughly the size of Maryland, but with more compact borders. And it has the toughest border security and surveillance that you'll find anywhere in any democracy. And this has happened to them. Can you imagine with this flow of millions of illegals from around the world, including countries that spawn terrorism, flooding our country, and us not having a terrorist attack? Well, yeah, I, mean, I think this is what everybody's curious about, and, and I think that this is why it's essential that our FBI get back to um, protecting Americans from our, our enemies, not our politicians. And um, 
you know, it's important that we close this border immediately and start finding some of these people that come across. Um, Mike, thank you so much for being on the show. Do you have uh, you have a book coming out? I was told. Um, or are we too new? To, or is it too far out to talk about now? Or or you want to talk about it? Or how can people find more information about you? Well, it's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and a bunch of other places already, but it won't be released until January. It's it's a book called Big Intel, and it's uh, kind of related to, to what we're talking about today, but for for our own security and intelligence services, and that is how did the FBI and the CIA go from Cold War heroes to become the politicized, woke institutions that they are? So this book looks at it. I go back 100 years, trace a red thread up to what happened today, how it happened, uh, who were the individuals involved with it, and what they're doing, including a, um, a, a, a training presentation from the FBI to make all FBI agents Rainbow flag warriors. Hmm. Well, it sounds instead of hunting terrorists. It, it sounds like an awesome book. Um, I encourage everybody to go pick up a copy. Um, I will I'll link to it on Amazon. I will, I'll go ahead and, and post that on my social media a little bit later. And um, thank you so much for all the information uh, for being on the show. And um, I look forward to uh, speaking to you again soon. Thank you so much, sir, for being on the Dave Pollock Show today. I do too. Thank you, David. You're welcome. All right, guys, we're going to take our final break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up here on the David Pollock Show, so don't go anywhere. Are you an insurance agent or property manager looking for a reliable and accurate property inspection? Floridian Property Consultants specializes in citizens' insurance packages and replacement cost appraisals, so you can get bound quickly, easily, and accurately. FPC's experienced inspectors will make sure each assessment meets all the insurance carrier standards while ensuring that you don't pay for more than you need. Work with a company that respects your time and budget as much as you do. Visit online at FloridianPropertyConsultants.com. That's FloridianPropertyConsultants.com. Business owners, are you sick of dealing with those big-name telecommunications companies that leave you frustrated with terrible customer service and then lock you into long-term contracts? That's why I want to introduce you to my friends over at Public Telephone Company. They are an industry-leading VOIP provider offering all-in-one business communication solutions that are completely contract-free with competitive pricing. But perhaps the best part, they're all about supporting their customers with U.S.-based customer service and they're always willing to go the extra mile. Don't let your phone company drive you mad. Call Public Telephone Company today at 877-314-4080 or visit them at publictelephonecompany.com. That's publictelephonecompany.com. If you ever change your mind, I'm just going to let this play for a minute, David. You were dancing the others. I like this one. God, it's such a good song. Just let it ride for a minute. Let's just bring some peace to our listeners because uh, <laughs> Mike scared the bejesus out of me just now. So let's just let's just enjoy some music. That's good. <laughs> Man. Um, yeah, look, I, I know it might terrify some of you to hear that a terrorist attack could be— I, I, Guys, the reason why the southern border is such an important thing is exactly what he just said. They have, and we talked about this, uh, is it two weeks ago on the show? We talked about the people coming across the border and where they were from. From Senegal and, and, and Bangladesh and India and Africa and China. Military-aged men 
coming across the border and just being released to go wherever. And, you know, have we learned nothing? I don't know. I know we pledged to never forget on 9-11, but it seems to me we've forgotten. I mean, we're all still taking off our shoes and getting to know our TSA agents on an intimate level every time we try to board a flight. Meanwhile, whoever wants to walk across the southern border can just walk across and go wherever. And you heard some of those cities on that video that I played that one time. Uh, Abe, Gabe, Gabe, I'm going to give you a big challenge. If you could pull up that video, I don't know if you can. Do you have that video when they were coming across the border and they were saying where they're coming from the show? I doubt. If, if you could find it, cool. If not. But you, they said where they were going. New York. Los Angeles. Some of the biggest cities in America these people are going to. And this is what concerns me. Joe Biden was taking a nap today, guys. He was taking the day off. Enjoying, you got that, Gabe? Let's play it real quick. Where? This is when the Border Patrol was asking these guys where they're from and where they're going. Listen. New York, California, where are you going? California. California? Where are you from? California. Where are you from? India. India? India? And you? And that's what he says he's from. They don't have passports. Where are you going? California. California, you? Yeah. California. Where are you from? India. You? Where are you from? California. India. India. They say, where are you they say they're from India. California. You? India. Going to New York. Yeah. Where New are York. you going? Where are you from? India? New York. You? No. India, New York. You? India, New York. You? India, California. You? California. Where India. You? India, California. You? Senegal. Where are you going? Yeah, anyway, you can cut it there, Gabe. You, you heard, they all say they're from India or Senegal or all these places. Now, mind you, they're not from Mexico. These aren't, these aren't uh, you know, just people, women and children coming to the United States to start, you know, a sewing shop. <laughs> these are military-aged men saying they're from India and Senegal and some of these other countries telling you exactly where they're going. Right? Meanwhile, this, Gabe, are you ready for a cut real quick? This was London. Where is this one? This is uh, uh, cut 14. So, in, so meanwhile, as, as people say they're coming and to tell you where they're going, this is what they're doing when they get there. Cut 14. They're chanting to free Palestine. They're in London, overtaking the streets in front of, I, I believe it was the Israeli embassy. Then this, <laughs> this is in uh, Canada. The night after, literally before Joe Biden even woke up from his nap, before they even woke him to tell him that there was a terrorist attack in Israel. This is cut three. This is what's going on in Canada. They were in the back of pickup trucks, and you can't see the video. They were cheering. Cheering. Yeah. Cheering for uh, the attack that just took place in Israel. Cheering at the women and children killed, raped, murdered, kidnapped. Cheering in Canada. Cheering in London. But it wasn't just there. Like I told you, on the first half or the second half of the show, before after we came back from the big break, it was in Tampa, Florida. It was in Philadelphia, as Mark told you. It was in New York. They're coming across the border. They're not from Mexico. 
They're telling you where they're going. And what do you think they're doing? They couldn't wait to take to the street to tell you how much they love terror. What do you think happens next? This is not a Democrat or Republican issue. This is an American issue. While you have Kevin McCarthy saying he's running for Speaker of the House again. Guys, it is time you call your representatives, you get involved, close the southern border. We need our government investigation agent, the FBI, to stop terror attacks. Because I do not want to be sitting on this radio show talking about the thousands of dead Americans. It's time we get it together. Guys, I'm out of time. We're going to be talking about this for weeks to come. Who knows where this will end? I I think it's just the beginning. Be careful about the things you hear. There's a lot of fake news out there. The propagandists are uh, in full force. So just vet your information. Uh, Love your neighbors. And and honestly, guys, be vigilant out there. These are crazy times. Um, We will be back next week. More to to come, more to talk about. And uh, we'll talk to each other again real soon. Thanks for listening.